Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I'm Dave. And I'm Chris. And I'm super, I'm always super excited, but the excitement I feel right now is more than the usual. Well, we always say we have a special guest, but today we have to say something different because it's a special, special guest. We always even, we say special like 15 times. That's what I'm saying. But this is more special. <laughs> now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a little story. You might be hyping it too much. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Fuck it. Fucking, you guys know that I listen to the Howard Stern show religiously. And in, was it in, when was it? I'm, I have such a bad memory that it could have been a year ago, it could have been six months ago. I, I, it was around six months ago. It was like I, January, right? Yeah, yeah, January. Because you told me about, about Nick, and then you t- we'll introduce him. And First, yeah. before we tell the story, today we have film writer and famous actor Nick Reiner. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm not much of an actor. I did write one film. And, You're not in that uh, movie? No. The I'm guy a fucking is, idiot. We were no, 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 you're not because the guy's name is Nick. So Nick Robinson is exactly. His name? So it's. A, I thought that was your like nom de plume. <laughs> I would hate myself if I had a nom de plume. But uh, I, I, I think what is important is that that when I wrote that, I, the best thing that came out of that was being on the Howard Stern show, and the 15 minutes that I got to be on there was incredible. He was on the Howard Stern show for three minutes. You were. I was on. It was ten minutes, <laughs> and I was on the Howard Stern show. I lied my way on the Howard Stern show. What would you say? Uh, it's a whole thing. We've said it several times on the show, but I'll tell you briefly. Uh, I had a show, uh, like a music show, twenty years ago. Twenty years ago, and I wanted to get on the Howard Stern show, and I knew that uh, there were like three ways to get on. Like I could get naked, like and wear a sign that says Howard Stern rules, or I could like on the street. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? Because he would put people on like that. I could bring my super hot girlfriend in and have her get naked. Or I could come up with a fake story, like kissing his ass. That's the riskiest. So yeah. I came up with... I, I had a show that aired... Uh, it was before the internet. I'm very old. And it was before like YouTube. It was before all this stuff. And my show aired on college campuses on their like closed circuit TVs. And like supposedly we had like... 13 million viewers and my show was a music magazine show called Shuffle so I invented it was 1999 so I invented an award called the Shuffle Entertainer of the Millennium Award and I said that Howard Stern won it and that he was voted the Shuffle Entertainer of the Millennium from 10, 10 million college so students. So he thought he was accepting some bullshit award. He thought he was no, accepting he thought he was a real award. He thought it was a, like a, a real award but yeah, like yeah. nothing like Great, but like so that's not bad though. So I and built a statue. I built a statue, like or I, wow. I had I had a trophy shop make a statue, and I and I was so cheap that I I was like I'll mention the name of your trophy shop so I wouldn't have to pay for the you statue. Yeah, I plugged their trophy shop, and then I said that he beat out all the people he hated. Like he had seventy eight percent of the. Uh, the vote. Fake vote. Adam Sandler had seven percent. Jay Leno had four percent, and Bob Hope had three percent. You didn't wow. put Imus on there. No, because But and then me and my girlfriend did all sorts of heroin and coke and smoked weed all night because we were the first guests. It was when he was still on K Rock at six in the morning. It was September twenty second, nineteen ninety nine, and we were like junkies, but we did a ton of coke so we wouldn't miss it. So, like, we went in there super high. Coked out. And he's like, an erotic to start, so you add coke to him. But it was coke, just... dope, 
incredible excitement, nervousness. So I seemed sober. I seemed fucking cool. Yeah. And Howard believed it. And then, like, at some point, Robin was like, this kid is obviously high. She said that yeah. on the air? Yeah. And I said, wow. Robin, how dare you? And then Howard kicked me off the show. Wow. Yeah. It was awesome. Really? But anyway, that's not the point. Okay. The point, the is, point is, him. I'm listening He's to Howard got Stern. Like, I listen to Howard Stern every day. And, and Nick Reiner... Um, has a very famous father, Rob Reiner, who directed a shitload of huge movies, uh, and, um, and was on All in the Family, which Chris never saw. Um, <laughs> it's all right. Um, I've seen The Princess Bride. He, he directed that. I've seen that a lot, and I've seen When Harry Met Sally. I've probably seen a lot. I just don't know it. I'm an idiot. You know what? I'm totally um, more offended if you know more of his work. So okay. I, I'm, I'm totally cool. With right. you just being but the best movie, he, you know, the best movie he did. But fucking stand by me. Oh, it's a classic. It's a yeah. heart warmer. That's the kid. It's in more the train than a heart warmer. No, no. It's, it's, I was twelve when that came out. I didn't so stand by me. Like, lean on was me. My life. And it still resonates with like even contemporary like friend groups like hanging out like that. Just like that young innocent like that was before drugs. That's like before drugs. You know, like when you never even thought, oh, let's go and smoke weed and do this. Let's go and do this. It was just like let's go hang out. You know, dude. Totally. For years, people would say stand by me, and I would think they were talking of lean on me. With Morgan Freeman, have you seen that? No. He's like the black guy who runs the thing in he's, Camden, New he's, Jersey. He's the, <laughs> he's the principal in New Jersey. And the kids like smoke and crack, and like so, it would be very confusing when people would talk about Stand by Me, and I'd have the wrong thing in my head. See, when we have but, guests, I don't bash you, but Chris is a fucking idiot to confuse <laughs> Lean on Me and Stand by Me. <laughs> well, they sound similar. The, the, right? the only similarity is the sound of <laughs> the t- title, but and also yeah. there's also a famous song called Lean on Me and a famous song called Stand by Me. But anyway, so I'm listening to Rob Reiner, and he's getting up to his project now. And his project now is a movie that his son, Nick, our guest, wrote about his horrible drug addiction. And I'm like... Horrendous. Holy (laughs) shit. I'm like, Chris... We gotta get him on Dopey And Chris's like Who's Rob Reiner? <laughs> <laughs> Let alone who the fuck is Nick Reiner yeah, Absolutely Well then I found you And I friend requested you And I was working out the other night And like I got a little notification This was like four months ago I got a notification You accepted my friend request So I instantly messaged you And you were kind of You were down with the show But I was pissed Because back then what? We had friend requested you And you didn't see it and who the fuck is Chris yeah. so you didn't friend him who which the fuck I think am I? <laughs> no but an estranged man friend requests yeah. me I don't usually take it either I thought he was hitting on me <laughs> I couldn't how, how do I know but look how beautiful he is beautiful <laughs> what's not what's not to like he's great um, but so when Nick Nick was on the show Howard asked Nick how he got sober and, and Nick told a lot which I think I would love it if you told a lot here but then Howard asked about AA and Nick what did, and what, what did you say about AA? I said a lot I, I think a lot of things about AA and I say a lot of things about AA and I only know my own experience and what I I don't remember the particulars of what I said on that show but I you know and I, I understand that AA and the rehab industry are a separate entity Totally. But, not always, but, but, not but, always. But, exactly. But what I do know is that 99% of the places say they're 12-step based, and they're literally, they rip the entire program, which is intended to be a free service, and they make money off of a program that if you relapse, they make even more money. Totally. Dude, and my first rehab was Sierra Tucson. I went there, it's like 50 grand a month, and then... 
like they tell you to do the steps and I'm like where's the cure like, where's the fix like the medicine like <laughs> all this how are you going to fix me <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I and I tried uh, you know I'm closed minded I don't know I, you're a, drug, and, a young drug addict come on and look I, I, I can get to the first I, I can admit that I uh, you know I'm powerless I have a drug addiction but when, when and I'm just going to be you know really can't uh, you know when it gets to the sort of the you know it's up to you to interpret but the God situation it's it's just physically hard for me to get there and have that be so much of a foundation for something that was so hard for me to get a hold of in the first place but didn't they give you like I'm not such a God I mean Chris is a devout God guy yeah I'm not the biggest God guy and my favorite thing my sponsor is an atheist and what he always says is a gift of desperation, you know, G-O-D. So your gift of desperation... A group of drunks or... But gift of desperation, Nick was desperate. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's something that I feel like you can hold on to. But I can resonate with what he's saying. If you have big walls around that concept and you go to an AA meeting or an NA meeting, the speak in there is extremely Judeo-Christian. Big time. And it sounds like kind of like Bible thumpers, Torah thumpers, or whatever. That's what you get. Torah thumpers. There's no such thing. And even if it's not, you tune out the good stuff because you're getting... Because you hear something. And you're freaked out. You're freaked out. You're freaked out. I hear that. But but listen, it's not... It's That's not the... And there's other things for me that I have difficulty with, which is... And, you know, a lot of people, they, they, they count their sober days, and if that works for them, that's great. But I think everybody used differently, so I think everybody gets sober differently, and every everybody has their own different definition of sober. And if someone is not completely abstinent in the minds of people that are in the program, they're not anything because they're you know they're still using quote unquote, and that's where I think I differ maybe from you. Guys. Dave, Dave and I get into it a lot. Where I support, I I'm not gonna I'm just gonna say my piece, then you say your piece. I support harm reduction, which in the rooms is like a huge deal. You can't support it, you know? And I'm like, if you're trading a lethal substance for a non-lethal substance and the consequences are less and your quality of life is improved, like, good for you. Like, that's a good thing. Whereas in AA, you can't share, you know what I mean? There's a bunch of stuff. You're demonized. You're demonized. And And my only opinion, my only opinion is like, I think of it all just for myself and I'm 42 years old and I, I have a year sober. So, you know what I mean? I've been fucking in and out, in and out, on drugs, you know, mm-hmm. constantly for my for my entire adult life. And um, and I was on methadone for six years, and I was on Suboxone, and I was on Benzos, and I was, you know, a stoner, and I, I, I you know, I have my credential. Yeah. But, like, fucking, for me, anytime I took anything, I would wind up on heroin. Eventually. Okay. I, I, I felt that way for years and years and years and years. And when I stopped, started not thinking that way and started thinking, look, every time I go out, like, you know, when they say when someone goes out, they go on a huge drug bender and they do as much as they were planning on doing you know, as much as they did before. If you if someone was not so scared to relapse and just smokes a joint or something like that. I know a lot of friends that were st- would still be alive, yeah. and I honestly believe that all or nothing kind of like Fantastic. if you go back out and I, I'm just I have that mind that drug addict mindset where it's like if I'm gonna go out I'm not gonna smoke I'm gonna d- do it up yeah I'm gonna go crazy yeah so do you ever do you ever just smoke a joint yeah you can do I that. do I do do that and you know what and I've done heroin and I've done meth and I've done everything under the sun and. I, And I'm not afraid, you know, because if there's someone listening to this podcast that can get something 
out of if they think they're not you know particularly on the right path, but it's not. I don't know. I've, I'm starting to get into some d- dangerous no, waters no, here. No, no, it's all right. No, but it actually what you're saying though, it actually even says, and people lose this. Like the people who are very ensconced in the program sometimes forget. Like the program was originally the big book that you know was written by Bill Wilson. Uh, Dr. Bob and the founding members and he actually says in it like if you think that you can like drink successfully and control it like we urge you to go out and try and like people forget that that language is in there and like the reason it's in there is because like if you can if there's something you can do and successfully do it the original people that started the program said go out and try it but it's, and then if you can't then like maybe but it's in there else. as like a go out and try no, and when you fail think, come when no because if you don't see. if you that, don't it is, it is that but is it's it also not? no it is uh, it is written for that purpose but it's not saying we know you're going to fail it's saying no. if you if you, if you don't fail which we, then we're not going to see you again then we don't need Peace you yeah, no yeah. no if, if no what it says to me when i hear that line is look you can go out and try it your own running your own show but you're going to end up Crawling back here is that not what they say in the rooms? You that, will end up. So that's what I'm trying to differentiate is what they say in the rooms. There's members. It's sort of like a Catholic priest speaking the Bible. You know, there's great priests and there's bad priests, or like any like organized religion. There's people in the rooms and. And, and they're just, idiots they're just like us. They're pretty. Yeah, they're Not just they're fucking, fucking yeah, smart. Yeah. No, but a lot of people that are vulnerable that are in there, they look up to these people that have been that somehow a huge badge of honor that they've been sober for this long period of time, and they take their cues from these people that are so-called idiots. Yeah, and well, and, and yeah, I mean, I think it's it's like it's a very valid complaint. And can I it's talk about Bill valid. Wilson for a second? And just to be honest yeah. about that. I know his history a little bit, yeah. and I know that by the end of his life, he was trying to think of alternative ways other than AA to try to, you know, I don't know what I know that he tripped acid. Yeah, he I, actually was in, he was going to put in a certain piece of literature to encourage some members in AA to try LSD, people who had huge resistance to spiritual concepts or like, and so he thought there was a small sector of people in AA that should try, or close and around AA that should try LSD because he thought it would help them with the program. And then all the other members were like, Bill, you can't fucking put that in the literature. But you're right, he did. And after his sobriety day, after founding, you know, he relapsed and stuff, but after that, he, um, I'm sorry, Dr. Bob relapsed. But um, he tried LSD and that he didn't get dinged for it. You know? But he, let me tell you something, Chris. If you, if my great friend and Dopey co-host yeah. went out and did acid. It would be a mother. I'm someone who's I, I'm a gas burner. Yeah, it's really bad. So like, I had a few years. I was working in a sober living and like uh, in New York City, and I started like stealing medication from the places. I was like giving out narcotics and then like basically taking people's narcotics. You didn't get kicked out there and flushing uh-huh. them. And then like one day I didn't flush it and started stealing. You were allowed to be on controlled substance there, stealing the Valium and the Adderall and shit yeah. from the medicine cabinet. And in the course of, like, a month, it was fucking really bad. There was no, like... And I'm not even saying that. I'm saying, let's say, in, in next week, you're like, I'm going to take a, psycho- a psychedelic journey. Yeah. Would, would, do you think you could, you could, it could not be a ding on your Well, that's sobriety? why we had this guy... I, we asked this guy, Noah Levine, about it. Do you know who Noah Levine is? He wrote Dharma mm-hmm. Punks. He yeah. was on the last episode that we aired. Or the one before the last one. And so I asked him... It's my sober link. I just did you a sober link. I just did you a sober link now? Do you know what that is? No. <laughs> yes. I don't know that. 
You're about no, I, I have a real question though, yeah. and and this and this goes back to what we were just talking about. Um, like you were just asking him, if you are under the impression that, because I was under the impression forever that if I went out and I had a taste of something, that I'd be in Mexico in two days, and I'm I'd be like that. in a motel. Chris is like oh, that. Okay, and then, no, and I believe <laughs> yeah. that you're like that, yeah. and I believe for years. No, I'm not very old, but just for three or four years, I believed I was very much like that. But when I started to believe not like that, then I started to not like crave this much. So you're saying the reality that I create. Hold in on, my I head, so I, since I believe out, that, out, I want you to explain what you just did to Nick. Oh, I, I, I was a, yeah. a little bit distracted. He's blowing into a breath or a, a breathalyzer. breathalyzer. Yeah, I have to blow in this twice a day to make sure I'm not drunk. I've been doing this for three years, <laughs> and. That's to keep the money rolling in. <laughs> to keep the money rolling in. <laughs> That's to make sure that you're doing okay. Yeah, so, like, it's, um, my sister runs a behavioral health company, so she actually, like, basically from seeing my shenanigans for years, she's wicked smart, like, went to Harvard, Harvard Business School, worked in healthcare, and then she saw, like, how unregulated and crazy the treatment industry was, and she started a company that basically does, like, case management and stuff like that, sober companion, that type of shit, yeah. with alcoholics and stuff. So she has her people breathalyze her clients, so I just do it through her company. And it is, in small part, to keep the money rolling. Yeah, it's so, it's so it's you can put be... my parents' mind at ease, too. It makes them feel I, okay. I, I guess that you guys probably disagree with most things that I'm saying, but I would just think for the all types of people that listen in, or could possibly listening in to hear a different side no, of the I, story because when we were walking up in the elevator you said to me that for a long time it was hard for you to get engaged because there was no one that you could really connect to yeah. or no one that spoke on your level like they were doing this holier than now sort of thing if they you know had years and years and years of sobriety on you um, and you couldn't hear what they were saying rather than someone who's closer to the issue or who had, who's third why is someone who's 20 years sober have a better perspective on everything than someone who's 30 days sober I think well, it's a lot 30 they're, they're, they do most they have a different perspective but why I'll but tell it, you it's I'll, a more out I'll of touch one no, maybe well listen listen this is what I'm going to say and I, again I have a lot of like sweeping judgments to, to say, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put those aside. No, I, no, 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 no. Because this is not a hysterical podcast yeah. about crazy ideas. Yeah. This is a chill podcast yeah. about drugs and dumb shit. And uh, I think, like, when I um, got clean, like in 30 days, I was still fucking crazy and miserable and like wanted to get high. When I, I'd say. When I hit 90 days, I hit a little bit of a, of a better feeling, but I still had no fucking perspective on what had happened. I was still, like, like rolling out in the universe in my head. Like, I was not used to having a sober physical or, or mental state. And, and I think in time... And I don't think it's brainwashing. Like, I really don't. I, I don't feel brainwashed. And, and again, I avoided 12-step shit for 15 years. You know, I, I hated it. I, I, I hated it. I hated every minute of it. No, I've loved it and I've hated it and I felt like, oh, I might be being brainwashed right now. And I'm just going to be honest, I felt like during that time I was a little bit under this entire impression that if I thought this certain way, all these things would happen. And they would happen because... 
Because you like, make your own reality. You're saying what you're thinking dictated what your actions were when you picked up. Yeah. Because so since you th- you're like, I'm going to go crazy when I drink, then when you drink, you'd go crazy. But when you're like, maybe I won't go crazy, and then you did something, you didn't go off the wall. Or, or like for this, for example, if I went to 30 meetings in 30 days, yeah. and, and I stayed sober for that whole time, but those 30 days seem like 30 months. Because and they were the eat, worst. They were the worst 30 days of your life because you think, oh my God, you're just like, you're, you know, and you're thinking about being, the, being sober every single sure. day. Yeah. As opposed to, if you weren't to go crazy, you just smoke some weed, drink some beer, do whatever you got to do. And, and, and who knows, you might get some more work done during that period or something else that you want to get done. But, I, you know, like, I, I just rather not spend my life, like, just constantly like taking away at the days that I've stayed clean because I, I don't really feel like just staying clean is an accomplishment in life because a lot of just clean people they don't do great things and they're miserable and stuff yeah I mean you want to know how I got sober and like this wasn't I didn't get sober like right away I, I was in this hospital called McLean's in Boston and I met this psychiatrist and this was like the first time that I started to really do something and take action in my life and uh, I was doing like the biopsychosocial where they ask you what rehabs you've been to and all that shit and he was like tuned out he didn't even give a fuck you know what I mean and then like he's like looking at my thing I had actually already done it and he was looking it over the psychiatrist and like I had checked off like I do a lot of hallucinogenics and I was IV coke user IV heroin addict plastic bottle vodka in the morning but I also like tripped a lot mm-hmm. and I tripped because like I liked kind of this window into the Chris other is the world. fucking man. So anyways, I, he, he sees that I checked that off and he's like, oh, he's like, I noticed you checked off hallucinogenics. And he's like, he's like, what do you do? And I was like, well, recently, this is like nine years ago or so, eight years ago. I was like, well, recently I've been doing a lot of um, these things called research chemicals. I'm like, you probably don't know what they are. <sighs> and this doctor fucking knew more than I knew. And like, I'd never met a doctor that knew about them. And let alone, he knew every single one. I was, he's like, two CD. Did he get all CD, down and dirty with you? Oh, he got like so excited. And it was like, <laughs> we were exchanging information. And what he does is. It's like, you're like my soulmate. He, he's, like he's like an ASAM certified addiction psychiatrist who like works in the treatment field as like his part-time thing. His real thing is he develops hallucinogenic drugs to treat cluster migraines. He's one of the few guys that can still give MDMA for therapy during like end of the life That's therapy. Crazy. So he was like really into it and he thinks, and I also asked him like, can I success? Wait, what kind of therapy can he give it for? Uh, end of life. So like when someone's dying and stuff like that, there was like certain situations he's allowed to give MDMA before a session. And so anyways, I started connecting with him and he was like, well, why do you like take hallucinogenics? And then like I told him my reasons, you know, and uh, he's like, you should go try yoga. And he said like a specific style is Ashtanga yoga. You should go to this place and you should do it. You know, and then he put me on Suboxone and I fucking left there. And for the first time in a long ass time, I actually took action in my life and did something that someone had suggested. I mean, I'd been to yoga, I'd been to A, but I actually mm-hmm. fucking tried it Fall on my own accord. And I went like six days a week and I took Suboxone. I was still taking Suboxone, but I actually like noticed something changed. Uh-huh. And it was like that inner turmoil I had, that baseline, uh-huh. to use AA words, like restless, irritable, and discontent, the obsession to use, it, it finally went away. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And like when you say like someone who has 20 years, I, I don't think decades of sobriety garners someone, you know, like a basically this high and lofty spot to be able to tell people like, you know, this is how it's done and whatnot. But I think somebody who has relieved the bondage of self, however they've done it, you know, does. 
and generally in 30 days somebody is still has the obsession pretty strong but, but like but like you, know? you said if you went into any AA meeting and you said look I'm feeling great right now I've been doing yoga and I'm taking Suboxone no you, they, they, no, you'd they, be laughed out of the room they'd and, and, you out and, and the problem I think with that is is that although you I believed I heard you in that story I believe that you were doing well but you wouldn't be bought for a second. No one would even buy that you even went to yoga once. No, but what, no, but what happened? I don't let, think let me so. finish what happened. Because they, let me they don't think he would be. No, there. but let me finish what happened. Oh, so, so what happened was, uh, I tried yoga. I experienced something, and then I actually had this thing called alcoholic neuropathy with my ankles. I got really fucked up from years of drinking, and I couldn't practice yoga. Relapsed, huge fucking blowout, like shooting coke, owing drug dealers money in the Caribbean. I had to have my brother fly down. Hold on, how did you get? Me. Wait, how did, please. You went from tell me. Give yeah, me the I stopped being able to practice yoga. Well, I, you were on the box because of my ankles. My ankles got okay, really but that's fucked a physical. A if physical you had limitation. Kept doing yoga. It, it would have been good. Yeah, Different but lines. he's on Suboxone. I'm on his sub- ankles go out. And yeah, then, and what was the and then first I was thing? dating this Japanese girl, and we went down on vacation in the Caribbean, and uh, I was getting a little hairy, and she kept on bugging me, and like the fucking untreated alcoholism came out, and I used down there. She ended up freaking out, flew home by herself. This is the garbage bag full of cocaine time? No, this is way before that. I know this is way after that. I'm sorry, this is way after that. <laughs> um, and so anyways, I ended up owing all this money and being on a different island, and my family came and rescued me. And then that was they, a great They story. forced me to go into treatment, right? Yeah. And then I was in treatment, and I was sitting there, and this was my 14th treatment, my second to last one. That was and when I met you. This is where I met Dave. Wow. We met in rehab. And But my, my point, though, is I'm sitting in there, and I'm like, I was like kind of primed from the yoga to have an open mind and they were slanging the steps and I was like, you know, an AA and I gave it a real go and it was useful, but it was yoga that led me there. I don't fucking care how people get to something that's helpful. Maybe it's the steps and they don't like the steps and then they get to yoga or they get to something else but that's you, useful. In but life. are you not looked at as a valid sober member if you don't have that baseline of AA? What do you mean? What do you mean? I mean, when, because I noticed when I went on a lot of shows, they'd say, are you sober? And like, at, at the moment, I'd say, yeah, because I was sober at that moment. I know in AA, the terminology is different. Sober means, you know, you've committed to this whole long life of abstinence. And I just felt like it was not the greatest thing that I couldn't feel comfortable to say, hey, look, I had a past of shooting up heroin, shooting yeah. up coke, yeah. doing crazy stuff. And now I have a life of, that's not that, but it's, you know, but it's not, but it's better. It's not one or the other. It's not like I was doing all this crazy stuff and now I'm squeaky clean. I'm perfectly sober. Time out, time out, time out. You were on the talk show circuit to promote this movie. Yes. And they're asking, it's a movie about a drug addict who gets sober. Uh. It, no, it isn't. Does he get sober in the end? We were no. going to watch it last night, but we didn't. He wouldn't let me <laughs> watch it. I was like, we have to watch it. He's like, fuck. <laughs> we'll watch it now for sure. <laughs> you don't need to. It's all right. No, but everyone sort of got that impression. But it, at the end, it's, so, it's sort of left as if like... Open-ended. He'll figure it out. And what I truly believe is, is that if you find something that you're really passionate about and you, and you have the means to pursue it... Then that'll take that, uh, you know. And what that's you were what I about. love Maslow. This guy Abraham Maslow. He's an old school psychologist, and he talks about the hierarchy of needs. And the top hierarchy of need is self actualization. And people find that through fulfillment, right? There's this priest. I read this beautiful article, right? There's this priest. There's a Polish priest, and uh, he took a bunch of bottom, bottomed out alcoholics in Poland. 
who are really fucking bad, right? You know what I mean? Like train track guys for the U.S. Uh-huh. Do you know what I'm saying? And he brought him in and he's like, we're going to do something to help you get sober, right? He's like, you guys can think of anything you want and we'll fucking do it. And they decided, there's just a bunch of winos, that they wanted to build a boat and sail it around the world. And he fucking went, somehow raised money, bought like this frame, this steel frame, and they've been working on it now for like four years. He died after two years. They've been working on it for like four years and not one of them has relapsed. And his argument was that it's what you're talking about. It's that fulfillment, that purpose, and the ability to pursue it actually kept them all sober. It's so together. fast. It's yeah. so fascinating that you bring that up because have you heard of a thing called Rat Park? Yeah. Okay. So I know a lot. Of, so I speak. Have you talked about this? Uh, no. I, I've, I've talked about it on the show. So the Rat Park. The one thing though is that they misquoted a lot. So it, it's timeout. What's Rat Park? I, that was going to give a just a Please. Please. brief rundown. Rat Park is an experiment that they did where they took ten rats. And they put it in a cage uh, talk with, with nothing in the cage. And one water was filled with just water, and the other water bottle was filled with water and cocaine. And just nine heroin, out of the, I think, right? Was, was it opiates? Some drug. Some opiates, yeah. And nine, t- nine out of the ten rats, or mouse, whatever, mice, they died of an overdose. It was like hell. It was, her- it was like rat hell. Rat hell. Yeah. And then they, had another, males, then they had another them. cage filled with wheels and mountains and they whatever. Called the, they called the rats Carlton. Whatever nice rats do, they were having <laughs> sex, they were doing the whole thing and like sometimes they'd go, but no, they would just drink the normal water because they needed it. And you wonder why people relapse. It's because people are, you know, they're bogged down by the system. They have to keep going in and out of jail. Well, they're marked as this, as this, this, you know, pariah of society. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I, I just feel like if anyone has a drug problem, they should feel free to come out and, and express it how they want. Let me, yeah. let me, I have some so serious questions. Let me say some stuff about the rats. So the rats, they did that experiment because all these GIs, like, were over in Vietnam banging dope, right? Like, a lot of them. Like, 80% or something. A lot of people use heroin. And then they came back. They were addicted to heroin. And a lot of them just fucking stopped. And they were like, what the fuck? Like, we thought heroin was a life sentence. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're like... There must be, like, a social reason why people use. Like, their life was hell. They were in a war zone, so they were all banging dope. Then they came back, and a lot of them stopped, you know? So they devised this experiment, and that confirmed it with the rats, you know? And they actually took rats who were addicted to the heroin from the shitty cage, and they put them in the nice cage. Oh, wow. And they would maintenance themselves off the heroin water and drink the regular water. That's crazy. But what's often not quoted when they mention this is there was a percentage go of the... Go slow. There was Please a, go slow. There was a percentage of the rats... People don't know what that is. ...that used the heroin water no matter what. It was about 10%, uh-huh. which coincides with the genetic markers for addiction in the human race. So the afflicted, no. <laughs> listen, the dopey nation of rats stayed high. No, no, not necessarily. What he's saying is, and, and I believe this to be true, yeah. because this is why I don't think you can say there's no, like some people try to say there's no such thing as addiction. Yeah. I, th- I and I've seen it. I've yeah. seen the person who literally is an addict. Is yeah. an addict. He's got his blood. It's he's in born, his he was blood. Born that way. You're looking at him right now. <laughs> this is him. And yeah. I and and I, you look like a happy guy to me. So I wouldn't say it's anything. Cause he, it's because he's clean. And, and <laughs> it's because he's clean. Yeah. But I, but I think that's interesting that you say that because I think there's some people it doesn't matter nurture nature where it's just in them. It's just in their blood. And I I do think that um, twelve step groups are pretty good for those people because twelve step philosophy is you can't use anything and stuff like that. And I, I agree with you. All the stuff you said, there's some dogma in it that's very difficult to swallow. And there's a lot of stuff like within the program that's not great. But um, 
and also what's different is like in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders, which is what's used in psychology, we would be we meet the criteria for a substance use disorder. But that's new. Well, it was called substance. Yeah, it's no. There was a DSM four. It's been in it for a while, right? Which is classified as a disease and and stuff. Um, but you can be you meet the criteria for a substance use disorder, and I don't think you can be that genetic born alcoholic. And those people who might meet that criteria, I think, can benefit from harm reduction and maybe successfully moderate in life. But the genetic person who's got in their blood, I don't think they're they can really moderate. It's yeah. very difficult. You know? No, I don't think they can. Yeah. I have I have some very very specific questions. Um, we're going to tell some stories at some point. Though. Maybe. Dopey Nation. Maybe we will and maybe we won't. <laughs> yeah. Because we're, I mean, this 32 minutes is... I rocked in the, in the chamber, but go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. Because, um, yeah, we're going to get to a story then. I do not want to <laughs> deny you, but I just want to just clear clarify some stuff. Because, Nick, this movie was very big. You know, you did all the big shows. You're on fucking Howard Stern. Well, I mean, you're probably the movie wasn't big. I think the topic was big because no, the, your your dad is big. That's and, big, and the yeah. release was big. It was in the Daily News. It was in a lot of places. I I, I I saw it around. I know, but it was just released in like a couple of theaters. So like it was. I think. Oh yeah, sorry. Keep no, please. No, because no, no, you know I, better than I do. I you just, don't sound like. Did you like the movie, or is it? You didn't. I, love the I movie? feel like I didn't get to express how I truly felt um, in it. Well, that was where I was How much going to... creative control did you have? Uh, one third. And one third technically and one eighth uh, <laughs> really? realistically. Okay. Well, this is, my, this is the first question. It's like the story is supposed to be, and I'm not talking about the story of the movie. I'm saying in order to promote the movie, you kind of have to be sober. You kind of have to be a poster boy yeah. for recovery. <laughs> and you didn't want to be that. I, I said to them, listen, I'm not in the position to do this. I'm not a... Uh, "Quote unquote sober guy, I, I'm gonna go at, have to go on to these talk shows." They said you gotta do it. They want the whole father son angle. It just shows you how disgusting the yeah, of course. But, I mean, the, just the story out there. So I just went out there and I just realized, look, you know, I'm I'm have a voice t- to some degree. Uh, I'm gonna say what I gotta say while I'm here. At least you didn't sell out. Do you know what I mean? You stuck to your guns. Right? Yeah, I'm not gonna no. Yeah. But you would yeah. say you kind of you were like, I'm sober today. And you didn't like fucking. You were like, you didn't want to like get into the water, right? Yeah. Like I'm sure it put you in a really bad spot. It did. It was hard. Was it really uncomfortable? It, yeah, yeah. It was. It, it was. Uh, it was uncomfortable. But I felt like it was like part of the job, part of what I had to do. It was the job. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer. No, I like would, where you're going. Would you like get high afterwards after the the appearance? Yeah, I would. I'd smoke a joint on the roof of my apartment. Let me ask you something after else. Let, let me ask you the answer okay. the question. And in a very hard, I mean, hard to be this honest, but right? Should I? I mean, yeah, I would. I, I would. I would not ever go on to these things like you know coked up or anything like that. I try to be straight, use the appearance as my motivation to be straight, do as best I could on it, and then afterwards enjoy a joint. After did you did you ever do like dope after or anything like that? That's why I you know you didn't shoot coke or dope this year. No, no, I haven't done that. That in about three or four years. There's no moderating with that shooting coke. There's no moderating. That's. That's a whole life right there. Was your dad... Did, you, did your dad know you were getting stoned? Yeah. Would he, he get pissed? No. He they, didn't give a fuck. He's a hippie, your dad, The reason right? I... There's, he's a hippie. Yeah. And they're very understanding. 
Well, yeah. they're happy you're doing well. But, but see, but see, me saying this, I feel first of all horrible about ha- copping to the fact that I, you know. But Do you feel listen. horrible in front of us about it. You feel horrible in front of the dopey nation. Uh, dopey nation, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no. Also, in front of you. Guys. This is not the choir group, and you don't have to feel upset. About but that I much. feel a little hypocritical myself. Yes, okay. I think I'm more open-minded than you are. Because I've stuff. made this big thing that um, that he, we're. I, so I'm like the only requirement to be on dopey is the desire to stop. But Nick using. doesn't want to stop. No, no, using. no, I know. <laughs> so he <laughs> doesn't meet your requirement. We've had different like he he thinks like somebody needs to have a lot of time to come on, and I'm like, uh, no, somebody needs a day. Yeah. Listen, listen. We somebody needs a day. A day. Twenty four hours. Come on after twenty four hours. Yes. There's you're lying. No, you're fucking lying. What's the truth? What's the real? What's the truth? He's like Todd needs like so much time. Todd is this guy who's called in. Todd's one of my best friends, and we used to do dope and and coke. And And he really wants to be on the show and stuff. And you felt like you couldn't have him on because he wasn't a valid enough. Well, no, or no. It's it's. I didn't want him on because I feel, you know, when we started the show, the show wasn't supposed to be at all about recovery. It was supposed to be just a show about drugs and dumb shit. The dumb shit that me and Chris had done high. That was the start of the show. And then uh, my daughter's mother heard the show, and she was like, what are you doing? (laughs) Why are you doing this? You know, and I was like, "Uh," and I have been separated from her for five years. And all I Mm. wanted to do was get back with her. And I got back with her when I got clean. And, um... And I was like, wait a second, what am I doing? You know, I gotta put. You text me to take them all down. Yeah, we, we <laughs> took them all down. Wow. We took his down in the end. No, no, but at first, at we first took, we took all the whole, of, the whole podcast was done. Yeah. Because really, I mean, I love Dopey, I love the Dopey Nation, but all I want is my family to be together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I'm moving to Long Island in, in 26 days. Yeah. You know, it's on. I'm engaged. I, I got that back. Um, but then, as we started to open up to the idea of the show being a little bit about recovery, we started to get... Well, sorry, Dopey Nation. That's there's somebody's o- overdosing it makes, yeah. outside. They're coming to get me. Yeah. <laughs> I called the cops. Ending. I said, there's somebody using on Dopey. Yeah. <laughs> looks like they finally got here. Um, but then we started to get these emails from people who were struggling or people who had years and they really appreciated what we were doing. And we, I think we appeal. There's a lot of recovery-centric shows out there, which is like uh-huh. one day at a time. And like we appeal to like that a sober whole guy who I started a, a big feud with last well, episode. Yeah, I mean, last episode I told well, him to go this, suck a dick. This is the beauty of when I heard about this show was that I had been approached by other things that were listen come on to this recovery 12 step po- I, I don't want to I can't have an open discussion there <laughs> yeah. about anything yeah. and I, I hear this concept and I go wow what a great open ended discussion about the times that we all can relate to that a, only a small demographic of people can relate to and yeah. whether you got this much time or you uh, you know do this much of the program I you know I, I think it's great we got well, what, what Chris, thank you what Chris came up with he was like okay Dave I hear what you're saying, but if they're a celebrity and they're using, <laughs> then they can come on. And me being a fucking ass-licking piece of shit, I was like, yeah, I guess so. Maybe maybe more people will hear the show. Um, and I, I, I'm torn. You know, I'm not 100%. I, I feel for like, what are you doing? Nothing. I was going to show him the Eastside crackhead. Please don't. Let's just stay, <laughs> stay here. I this guy who's a bum who's like kind of famous, or he was a bum. 
Uh, come on. We've been trying to get the East Side Crackhead on the show He's uh, like, he like for three months, season. and every week... Can I come on with the East Side Crackhead? If, if the East Side Please? Crackhead's never going to come on. Okay. Every week, he says... I'm never going to come He says, yo, dude, I'm going to roll through tonight. And Chris is like, the East Side well, his, his, his manager, Big Time, says that. He's a rapper. Um, he's pretty good. And supposedly he's clean. I think he drinks. He doesn't smoke crack anymore. So so every week Chris is like, I think the Eastside Crackhead's gonna come on. And at first I was like, awesome. And Chris is like, we're gonna get him page six. And I'm like, That's awesome. The post, New York Post. He, and, and then uh, yeah. and then and then Chris is like, uh, this is gonna be good. And then I'm like, I don't know. The Eastside Crackhead seems like he's he's drinking. And Chris is like, harm reduction is fine, Dave. <laughs> this is gonna be the best thing that ever the happened in the show. You've ever got Let me finish. This is my favorite argument. part. This is yeah. my favorite part. And then it'll be six o'clock, and we're recording the show, and Chris is like. I hope the East Side Crackhead doesn't come tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to deal with him every time it happens. Well, this is, I just want to say also, this is a really good topic you've brought up because the only time we ever have gotten into it, like actually gotten into it, it's just banter usually, but like really arguing with each other was this specific topic we're talking about right now. It was harm reduction. It was harm reduction and stuff like that. And where do you both, where do you both stand on it? I support it more than Dave. Does. But the thing is, and Dave's though, insular. And Dave, for him, it doesn't work. Dave's un- not supportive. No, this is the thing. When it's me and Chris alone, two people who are abstinent and in recovery and have tried harm reduction for ourselves and failed, I get very angry at him because it's like because it's just about it's me and him yeah. and like we've both failed. I've failed trying to just smoke weed. You know, and it's also uh-huh. different. I'm I'm pursuing a doctorate in clinical psych, so like I need to like got to do it. I need to see like a larger perspective. You uh-huh. know, even though I know it doesn't work for me. Dude, so sometimes we get lost in translation. Where like, for me, you know that I don't support it because I know it doesn't work, and I'm trying it. But know? and for me, but he's open to hearing. Uh, he knows that it's so much better for somebody to not be on a lethal substance and, and be happy and be pursuing being pursuing self actualization, yeah. like he said. For me, like, let's say I got to smoke a joint tonight. In the, I, I wouldn't run to Mexico and shoot meth or anything. I would just be like, I'm gonna get high tomorrow. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get stoned tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and I am a fucking devout stoner. Like <laughs> devout. Yeah. Like if I smoke weed, I wouldn't enjoy the weed as much as I should because all I'd be thinking about is how I could get it tomorrow. But if you, ne- if if you were on a rooftop and you smoked a joint. And you never in your life had heard a thing, oh, I took one hit and I went to Mexico and a thing and a thing. If you just smoked a joint and you had no preconceived notions, I don't think you'd do anything the next day. you just do what you wanted because... But you know what I would want to do the next day? Smoke weed. I love because you're, weed. Because you're already saying that you would want to do that. He's no. saying it's your mindset. Right, but I, it's my experience. It's, it's not about. Experience. It's not about any of the 12-step stuff. It's like... 12-step stuff is like a fucking... Well, we drink and we use essentially because we like the effects it has upon us. But weed and, and so me... you like the getting high and then you want to get high tomorrow. <laughs> but it's like me... It's like now, I every night when I'm walking home, I buy a, a bar of dark chocolate. And every night, I eat <laughs> the bar of dark chocolate and I say to myself, I can't wait till tomorrow night when I can have my dark chocolate. And it used to be every night... Then the harm See, reduction. I'm the opposite. I'll buy the bar of chocolate and I'll be like, tomorrow I'm not going to have any chocolate, but then I'll fucking get chocolate the next day. And then you beat yourself <laughs> up and say, I can't believe I did the thing I said I wasn't going to do. And I'll do that every day. Yeah. But, but no, fuck that. Chris, but don't, Chris doesn't buy the bar of dark chocolate. Chris buys the fucking half gallon of ice cream. He's like, I can't believe I ate the whole half gallon. I ate a whole half gallon the other day. 
Not a pint and yeah. half fucking gallon. Well, that's harm reduction, is it not? Yeah, it is in a way, yeah. Well, that's, I used to eat a whole bag of Tate's cookies. Then I went to 7-Eleven well, see, and I sold, they sold cookies by the three. So yeah. I started to do that. And then the doctor told me my cholesterol was too high because I'm getting old. And that's when I switched to dark chocolate. <laughs> so it's all about switching from milk to dark should, chocolate. Should we change paces and get into stories a little bit? I just, I just want to feel like we all understand, like... I get where you're coming from, though. I get that. There's, I wanna... Do you know Dr. Wheel is? Andrew Wheel? No. Um, he's this... W-E-I-L. Yeah, am I pronouncing that? I think it's, it's Vale. Is it? No, it's not, is it? I always thought it was. Um, he's a big, bald guy with long hair. He looks a little bit like your dad. Yeah, he's yeah. like an ex-hippie, and he's, he's big spoke beard. about addiction, and he writes a lot of books and stuff. It's very and smart. he talks about set and setting, and he said what determines a drug's effect upon you is how you think you relate to that drug and like he has like research and science to back up what he's saying and he's basically saying the same thing you're saying he's saying if you're saying this is gonna like ruin my life and I'm gonna do it all the time then you're gonna ruin your life and you're gonna do it all the time but he's saying maybe that's not everything but that's a factor when you use that's real but, but I don't wanna make the mistake of saying that like because I 100% believe that, that for you that that's the way you should do it and this is the way that I feel like I should. I'm not telling anybody else to do it like this. You know, I'm just saying this is how it went for me. Dude, we had exact. We had a guy here. The episode where Dave and I got into it, and I accidentally deleted it before we could air it because I'm retarded. Um, but he, uh, I was in rehab with him. He's an IV junkie. The dude came three hours to get here, and Chris deleted. The I deleted show. it. I fucking. Accidentally he also deleted. set up our Facebook account. Fucking yeah, Dave. He did a lot of. Anyway, he, I met him in rehab, and he was an IV junkie, pretty fucking bad. And now he drinks successfully. And I've seen that fail. I've seen that fail, yeah, eighteen out of twenty times. But yeah. he's one of the two, like that were close friends that tried it, that it, it works. And the way he did it was he like went and he like told his parents, he's like, I'm gonna drink. He's a CrossFit trainer and he owns a CrossFit gym. So he like works out all day. He loves his business. That they listen the they listen to Dopey at his gym. Even wow. the even the normies. Yeah. So what's up what's it the, the, the gym um, called? Normies would love this. Some of them do. Some normies, yeah, we have some normies that listen. How they not? Yeah, yeah, because it's voyeuristic for them. For us, it's like, you know, we know the deal, you know what I mean? But for a normal person, they're like, wow. I have, I have another question. I don't think the normies are going to like the last 46 minutes of the philosophy we're talking about. But um, I the think stories they, they like. They like the stories. We're going to do a is story. Is going to like that? I hope they do. Oh, no, people like it. They actually, people have asked us to talk more about early sobriety. People have asked us to infuse Dude. more recovery. Because we're usually just telling whoppers, you know? Nick, Nick, I think you are, like, going to be appealing to the dopey nation. I think this is going to appeal to them. I just wonder if I'm going to feel guilty about it afterwards. Do you think I'm going to feel guilty about it? Why would you feel guilty about it? Because I like the idea of being really, um... He's nervous that there's some junkie using it who can't successfully do anything, and they're going to hear this and then think that they can. So they can get high. But, the, but, the, but, but, but like I said, I'm only saying this has worked for me. Yeah. And I, I don't... And if it doesn't work for you, try something else. Exactly. And you I know that I've seen AA work for people, and I've seen all types of things work for people, and uh, Chris, I, I don't want to you should give Nick the same advice you gave me. Do you remember? Yeah, you Maybe I need some advice. Get <laughs> no, me to a meeting. Uh, you should come with me to the meeting tomorrow morning at <laughs> no, 7.30. No. He needs to say he wants to go if he wants of to course. do anything. Of course, but yeah. this is what Chris told me. Because um, we went to rehab together. We both relapsed after rehab. Um, we both relapsed after, but I, I had had like a, 
you know, I, I was not devout. I would like date and drink because I don't drink. I'm not really. I'm barely an alcoholic. He he, he physically like can't. I don't. He drink. has like the yeah, enzyme. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. have the right enzyme. Yeah. I'm uh, Jewish. I, don't, I can't. Me drink. too. Yeah. I think that's why I have the same. There's thing. actually Jews and Asians like have some sort of ends. Some Jews and Asians have some sort of like enzyme that they can't process alcohol. Where like for me, like I can drink twenty drinks in a night and wake up and like I can't keep drink. going. No, that's know? not. Yeah. I'm smash after. Yeah. So so I wind up. Uh, getting back to uh, Bud through this girlfriend at the time uh, and and Chris and I'm smoking successfully without taking anything else for like a year uh, and I'm talking to Chris and Chris is like great man that's cool he goes he goes that'll work uh, unless uh, you find yourself on heroin and then, and then you know next time you, you can't smoke weed yeah. you know so that's Simple. the advice to you 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 know smoke weed until you find yourself totally fucked and then and I'm not saying you will because maybe you won't. I'm not. I'm really not. I'm not loading this with no, something else. Yeah. No, I maybe don't. you won't. But if you find yourself fucked next time, you get the chance to do it again. Maybe you don't smoke weed. Yeah. My favorite part of that story is is just mind boggling that four or five years ago, Dave would actually call me for advice because he would never do that now. <laughs> no. no I, I try to call him for advice, but his advice is just horrible. So when you were stoned, you were more uh, understanding? I just think I didn't know him as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that. But Nick is here to tell a story, and I want to hear a Wait, fucked up story. I got to say something, though, sitting on the couch before he, Nick said, before we you know, hit record, that he's been to 17 rehabs. 17 or 18, give or, give or take. Yeah. I've been to 15, so that is utterly shocking because I've never... And, like, I mean, like, rehab proper, not, like, sober living. No, or like, I'm... No, yeah. yeah. The real deal. That's amazing, dude, because I... And we talked We've never had anyone on the couch that's been to more rehab than I have. Have you ever met anybody that's been to more than you? Yes. I mean, I've you, met someone. When you tell them a figure higher than 10, they go, oh, okay. Like, no, but you really have gone each and every time, and it's been, you know, terrible. Yeah. But, like, uh... We went, we went to the same one, I think. Yes. In uh, New Jersey. I've mentioned it before in episode three. I'm going to let you tell a story, but I'm going to recap. I won't say the name. Lodge, of course. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, I said the name. Um, one of our episodes is called Dodge the Lodge. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so there's a saying in AA, I mean, in, in the rehab circles, which I'd always heard was Dodge the Lodge. So um, anyways, I went to jail in uh, California, and uh, part of the condition of my release was I needed to c- complete a year of rehab. And so they let me go to New Jersey to go to Alina Lodge because it's like the relapsers rehab. Yeah, you know, yeah. Wh- When I was there, it was like uh, one year minute minimum, no coffee, no cigarettes, coat and tie to dinner, can't look at the women. Yeah, it was crazy. Same shit you had yeah. all that. So um, anyways, while I was there, there was like aerobics class. You couldn't exercise. I heard you can now. You, there was aerobics class twice a week. There were like three treadmills when I was there. Oh, really? That was the aerobics. That was the, uh, yeah. I had tea. There was tea there, bald guy. Se- Seca, whatever that not decaffeinated coffee was. Sanka. Yeah. Sanka. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just pounding Sanka. Yeah, it's, it's going crazy. So anyways, I was there. I'll just tell you the story real quickly. So I was there, um, and I said I couldn't go to aerobics class because um, my ankles were fucked up. Which was like sort of true, uh, no, because I, it was before my ankles. Because I had broke my neck when I was younger, which was sort of, which was true. I broke my neck, but I could have done the aerobics class. And so I would sit with all the other like old invalids who like couldn't do anything. We we're supposed to just read the big book by ourselves. But I went into broke into the kitchen, stole orange juice, stole sugar packets one at a time, and stole fruit. And I started. I learned in jail how to make pruno. So I started making homemade wow. alcohol at the rehab. Right. So. I made the first batch, we got wasted. Then I made the second batch, me and this other kid, and we got wasted and we got caught. 
And I had a suspended prison sentence. Like, if I fucked up and didn't complete the like the conditions yeah. of my release, I was supposed to go to prison for up to 10 years. So they found it. You're immediately in trouble. so strict there. Yeah, and yeah. they're going to call the cops. So I just fucking book it, right? Wow. I just take off. And they have your ID, too. They have right? everything. They have yeah. everything. I'm literally in a, a, a button-up shirt and khakis and loafers. Yeah. And I fucking book it. And I had a windbreaker, too. <laughs> and I fucking, I fucking book it. I sleep in the woods for, like, a day because I think the cops are coming after me. End up waving someone down on the side of the road, telling him my girlfriend kicked me out. They drive me to the next town over. And I call this woman that I used to date from California who's 15 years older than me. She wires me money. I make it to, I take a bus to New York City, end up staying in Harlem, shooting, breaking crack down and shooting crack. Um, That's where all of his stories end up. And they end up in Harlem. <laughs> Break down, shooting crack in Harlem. <laughs> yeah. yeah so then, so I just finish, so I just tell them the mountain blast thing real quick? Sure. Because that's, okay, so... I was walking on Harlem. This is like, I've been doing this for like two or three days. I keep telling my ex I'm going to use the money to get a flight, and she sends me more money. And uh-huh. then I just keep getting high in Harlem. And so I like. High in Harlem. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like walking around, and um, I see this and this white guy, you know, it's Harlem, everyone's black. So there's a white guy walking around, and he's like walking like really fucking weird, like this. He's like, for the dopey nation, I'm kind of like waving my arms he's and waving flowing. his arms. Yeah, I'm waving my arms. <laughs> we'll call it fancy walking. <laughs> yeah, so he's walking around like this, and he's all weird, and I go up to him, like, dude, like, what are you on? And he had GHB, and I, I'd never. Oh, tried, hell yeah. Oh, I'd never tried GHB before, and I was like. I never did GHB. I was like, oh, I was like, let me get some GHB. And uh, he hands me the bottle, and this is what's important, is it's a bottle of Blue Mountain Blast Powerade, right? Which yeah. happened to be Chris's drink. Which happened drink. to be my drink at the time. That and, was your thing? And that was I, his thing. And I actually... Hold on. Have you ever heard that somebody's thing, Blue Mountain Power Blast? And well, not only that, but when, I, when do you come across GHB? Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah. The, sta- the stars aligned for you. Yeah, the stars aligned. So he goes, actually, I'm actually forgetting a piece. I didn't have... So anyways, I, I drink the Mountain Blast Powerade, right? Which was GHB that he gives me. And I take it and I just chug like five gulps. And the guy uh-huh. just goes, I remember him going, he goes, you're totally fucked. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? He's like, get away from me. He's like, you're totally fucked. And get I was away like, away from me. Why? Because he, cause he's like, I was going to like, I was already drunk and I chugged so much that I guess I was going to like overdose or something, you know, like I was yeah. going to pass out. Well, so he's like, just get away from me. He's like, you're totally fucked. And uh, I was like, let me get some more. Let me get some more. And I actually, I forgot this piece. I went into a trash can on the street and there was a bottle of Blue Mountain Blast Powerade that was empty. So I vividly remember this. So I grab an empty bottle of Blue Mountain from the garbage. From the garbage, and he actually pours some of his GHB from his Mountain Blast. He's a very generous in, GHB into mine user. and gives it to me. And he's like, "Okay, now get away from me." So I go leave. I wander around. I vaguely remember talking to people, and then I wake up in the hospital the next day, and I had shat the bed. And I look at my fucking wristband, right? Chat being past tense of shit. Yeah, and the first thing I thought when I woke up in the hospital was, I swear to God, the first, like, monologue in my head was, this isn't bad. <laughs> it was, like, the first thing. It was, like, the worst thing that could yeah. happen. Like, waking up in a hospital hall. No, I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was this isn't too bad. Yeah, this isn't too bad. <laughs> I'm an Alina Lodge story. Yeah, wait, wait, so, oh, it's almost out. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. So I look at my wristband, right, and I had no ID, like you said. And it says Charles McCullough. 
right? That's that's my name because I had no idea. I guess that's like a John Doe. <laughs> and they guessed your birth date. I was like 24 maybe or something. They guessed I was like 39. Like they were so far Insulting. off. Insulting. Yeah, they were like, because no. he was so fucked. Give me my phone real quick. <laughs> Um, and so, so they give me, uh, so they give me fucking, um, so I, I like, look at that. I actually start laughing when I see my name, I'm like, huh? And I look at my, the, the next to my bed and you know, it's next to my bed, the bottle of blue mountain Powerade with the GHB in it. They left wow. it right next to my fucking wow. bed. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Did and then you drink I, it? you know, people ask me that and I used to say I did. I actually didn't. I poured it out. Why did you? Pour I was it out? scared. I, I got licked because it wasn't too good either. <laughs> well, I don't know what it was. It went from. I just posted on Instagram a picture from this time period. I have a thought. which you can see why they thought I was much older. I have. Oh, I have wow. a thought. Yeah, much like <laughs> yeah. twenty years. Yeah. Ago. I have a structure. I, I, I know the picture very yeah. well. <laughs> I, I have a structural thought. What if we break up this episode into two episodes? We could, well, but let's hear the Lena Lodge story. Yeah, yeah but should we, do you want to do that? Are you willing to come back at some point? No, 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 no. Break it up into two episodes right now. So oh, we yeah. can record two hours, but release it as part one and part you two. You got some gas? Can you go for it? Uh, I, I could keep going, okay. yeah. He's right. drinking a highball, dude. Oh, I'm going highball. And I haven't heard anything that I want to hear yet. Now that we've gotten all the fucking okay, I'll get right philosophy into it, out of the way. Right, tell the Lena Lodge. I'll get my stupid philosophy out of the way. So I was in a Lena Lodge, but you just described it as a terrible place. And the big thing is Mackenzie Phillips got sober there. That's like the big, their big fame. Like I didn't fame. Oh yeah, they, they played they, her speaker. They name drop like it's you know yeah. TMZ. Yeah. Um, and I got kicked out of there, and I spent six months there, and they dropped me off at uh, the Salvation Army in Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> and so Wait, I mean, why did you get kicked out? I did a bunch of bad I just wasn't having it I was just yeah. like This sucks Like I'd mouth off Like you know They'd make you sit In those lectures oh. And, and you Was Schottinger there? Mark Schottinger? I, I chose Schott- to forget Every name okay. Because <laughs> Do people treat you bad Because you're Rob Reiner's son? They don't treat me badly, but they, it, they, I get treated in an uncomfortable way. Like, I can't just be here. With them. It's you sort of like, yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, let's hear about this thing. And it's like, I, I'm trying to get sober. I don't want to deal with this whole other thing right now. Yeah. But, like, I got kicked out of there, and then I was living in New York City, and I met up with a girl that I met from there who I'd never met before but I'd seen her every day for six months yeah yeah because you see them like you can't talk to the women and it's funny because some guys will be like with somebody sort of and they've never actually talked to yeah. them yeah you're, you're like just making like, eyes you're like each flying other. notes to each other <laughs> yeah. and like there's a divide in the mess hall and the staff members like Gestapo members would walk up and down the alley aisleways yeah. and to check if you're uh, you're a, you were directed dude forwards. did you draw the pictures no. Okay, so when we were there, you draw pictures on Saturday, and they'd hang them in the mess hall. So the guys and the girls used to try to communicate with each other because they would like. So I draw a picture, and they'd hang it up in the mess hall, and all the girls would. So you could look at the girls' ones, and they'd sign their name, and you could try to determine from their imagery if they were speaking to you. Wow, that's intricate. We <laughs> yeah. weren't that smart. Yeah. <laughs> I was. Uh, yeah. Wait, what was, what was how that? Did you, how did the you girl, the girl, the girl? Okay, the girl. so the girl. Yeah, how did, you, how did that so happen? I love this story because it's crazy and I was 100% sober for it. Great. So <laughs> I, 
I, I plan to meet this woman I've never met yeah. who's a who's forty years old. And keep in mind, I'm uh, she was forty. Yeah, I was like uh, eighteen at the time. Were you having an eyeball romance in there? No, that was the thing. Okay. I was. She was just like maybe I'd go over do some blow with her. I I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I show up literally like out of a movie. Wait, wait. She, I'm sorry. Where are we right now? You show up where? In Manhattan. I show. I'm, okay, so you I'm, left. You got kicked out. I got. A, I got from New Jersey to New York, and I was out here for about six. How'd months. you get in contact with her? Note from rehab? Um, Facebook, Facebook or something. Okay. Like you got in contact with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I show up <laughs> and there's a Coke dealer outside of the apartment already. And they're doing And I'm like, could this actually be happening right now? Yeah. And so the guy's like super sketched out. He leaves. We go back up into the apartment. She's railing lines of cocaine. And I, I didn't really want to get too intimate with her and make out with her. So one thing led to another. So we we got in the shower, yeah. and uh, can we talk about this guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, no, no. We, we can talk about everything besides. Stuff. Dude, I tell a story. I'm just oh, exactly wow. I tell okay. a story where I was shooting meth, and a guy was begging to let him suck my dick while I was watching porn, saying no and jerking off. Okay, perfect. so you can say anything. Well, that's you can awesome. say anything. Okay, so I'm fingering her in the yeah. shower, and she's really sort of small and. I guess I wasn't. I pulled my finger out, and there was something on the tip of it, and it was this a brown color, <laughs> and uh, it was shit. And I think I accidentally was fingering her her <laughs> asshole, and um, uh, she finished me off. And then I I, I left. <laughs> I left the place, and um, like three. And this is how did she finish you off? She, uh, you know, she she took her hand and she okay. did okay. me a service. It was a manual. It was a manual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I said my goodbyes and I left. And th- and this is where it gets sad. Yeah. I l- learned three months later that she had killed herself. Oh my god. Yeah. Like, like it was because she never wanted to be wait, figured and, in her ass. And my friend makes the joke that she killed herself because she's so ashamed of what happened with me. Yeah. It was because it was because you fingered her asshole. Yeah. And she was like, "Why are you sticking your fingers in my ass? My life isn't worth living anymore." Oh man, that's a wild story, dude. And I was sober for and that. A was Alina Lodge. That was Alina Lodge. You must have a lot of stories because, like, we just mentioned Alina Lodge, and that's an Alina well, Lodge story. I, it wasn't my, even like a rehearsed this thing. This is a dumb question. I understand that you met her on Facebook, um, but you didn't know her name. How did you find her? I knew her name. Okay. I did know her okay. name. Yeah, you know people's names. You kind of get some information, and so I was able to like find her. And how then, like, did you find out she died? On Facebook. That's so sad. That's Someone posted it. You yeah. know what you did? You did. You snorted cocaine with her. No, I did. I was so turned off by the way she was snorting cocaine. Well, it was the only time I ever turned down free cocaine. <laughs> it was just like in a manner that I was like, I don't want to do coke. What like was this, the right? manner? So you it, can't even blame the like butthole a, fingering on being on coke. No, no. you're just an idiot. I, I was way too <laughs> lucid. For, I'm an idiot. You were sober for that. I, that's the point. I was sober. I was sober for this event. She's blowing was, lines. She's but blowing lines in an unattractive way to me. What was unattractive? Is she, is she attractive? I'm just Should telling you. Is this the butthole fingering? Should that be the name? Listen, I, like I think the unattractive <laughs> style of doing coke. I mean, what, what, what is she doing? She was aggressively huffing it. She was Is it cute? No. Okay, was, well then she couldn't have done... Okay. She was, yeah, okay. Maybe you're on to something. So she wasn't cute. And maybe that's why you fingered her asshole, too. Why I was fingering her in the first place was so I wouldn't have to ever make out with her. Wow, did you never kiss her? I didn't kiss her. Oh my god, that's brutal, dude. Yeah. That's tough. This story is beyond. Yeah. Beyond, beyond. I like it. Um, Except that she's 
dead. God bless her. God bless her. God. Dude, I once ate a girl out on mushrooms and drunk in college, and she was so she lived right down the hall from me. She was so disgusting that I would think about it and I'd want to vomit whenever I thought about it. Mm-hmm. And like I didn't even remember I didn't even remember eating her out. I just knew what she looked like, and she was like four doors down from me, and I literally turned entirely nocturnal. I'd only leave my room at like 2 a.m. because I just never wanted to see her. I was so grossed out about it. Have you ever used with two people from two separate programs in one city, one central city? Wait, wait, what do you mean by that? Like from two separate rehabs? Yeah. No, I haven't done that. <laughs> and I that have, that I, formed the craziest four days of my life. Yeah, when I've used with people from rehab, it's been pretty bad. There's actually one guy, the drug dealer's story story. Um, that I met in this. Have you heard of Impact in LA? Oh, that I heard is hard. I was there twice. Is that like Cry Help? Yeah, it's like Cry Help. So Cry Help is um, Karen Renaissance Impact. It, Cry Help is very similar. Actually, Did you go to Renaissance? Actually, no. we have, dude. We have, we have a, oh, wow. dude. Yeah. We have a prank phone call on on this on to Cry Help. We had our, our my friend prank phone call to Cry Help because I was just having him prank like pretty hardcore rehabs like Tarzana Treatment Center, Cry Help, I Impact. Love that. And he calls Cry Help and he's like. Help! Hell, he's crying. Crying help. for help. <laughs> yeah, I'll play it for you later. It's pretty funny, dude. That's the the farm one. That is the farm one. The That's farm the one's farm really one. funny. He's like, he's like, I'm a farmer. Can I please bring animals when I go into treatment? Yeah. And then Chris is in the background I'm playing, playing like- sound effects of sheep and goats <laughs> and shit. And they're like, uh... And then, he said, and then he said he was diagnosed with multiple personality disorder at birth. And they were like, at birth. And he's like, yeah. He's like, well, he's like, I was like an infant, maybe like one years old. They're like, with multiple personality disorder. He's like, yep. Do you have one personality at one? <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> How can you have multiple personalities? We really need to hone his prank prank phone calling. They're good. This, I have he's one got friend, a great voice. He does it and he doesn't laugh, so he's really good. Like he wow. can go for two over twenty great. minutes on that one and he didn't laugh. We just need to hone it. Should we stop this and then restart? Yeah, I got to take a okay a breath. All right. Um... All right, Dopey Nation. Well, Take that toodles, was Nick. Toodles, Dopey. Going too abruptly. Okay. Yeah. What the fuck, We're man? Really do your thing. You have to say. Your oh yeah. Thing. Drop a review. Um, Nick's gonna be on again. But if you have any questions for Nick, you can email dopeypodcast uh, at gmail.com and we'll send them to Nick. Dopeypodcast at gmail.com. We will send them along. to Write Nick. a review on iTunes. Are you I have an iPhone? I have one, yeah. So we can get you to write a review. We're trying to get people to write reviews. I'd write a review. Right, cool. uh, it just has to be like anything. Just a good job. Just a little. I hope the Dopey up. Nation doesn't hate me completely. And they they're gonna love you. They're they gonna hate love me. you. The only person they hate is me. <laughs> Dopey Nation, stay strong. We're gonna come back this same week with part two of Nick Reiner. So thank you, though, Nick, for part Thanks one. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah. Super awesome. And uh, stay strong. I wanna take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had and I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive 
But I wanna be good so bad Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had